this morning, uh, uh, the pressure has been put on me now by uh, David and your wonderful word. Uh, so uh, I will try and do justice. Um, but we are talking, and now you can put it up, on strong foundations. Uh, so strong foundations or reinforced foundations is, is the, uh, the title for this morning. There we go, there we go. So um, strong foundations. So this, is, this is a, actually was a house. Uh, that does not have strong foundations. There are a lot of these houses in the, uh, the northwest Midlands because they're all built over coal mines. And uh, so you can understand what's gone on here. Uh, but this, this is now quite a famous pub in Dudley. Uh, but uh, strong foundations is what we're looking at this morning. Uh, strong foundations, uh, for those of you who don't know, I work in construction. Uh, I know my onions when it comes to foundations. Uh, there's a lot of maths, a lot of time, a lot of paperwork goes into this before you even put a spade in the ground. Uh, you've got to work out the, the, uh, the geology, you've got to decide how much steel you need to put in, how deep you need to go, whether you've got to use piles. But uh, we'll do a quick basic uh, Andy's quick guide to foundations. So you start with your bare virgin ground, and then you do what we call breaking ground, which is where you strip back the soil, you level it out as best you can, you mark out where you're gonna dig. Then you dig your trenches. They're nice and square and straight, clean bottoms, always. There's never ever been a puddle in any of my foundations, honest governor, uh, but all, all nice and straight and square. And then you pour your concrete. The concrete flows in. It, it's never square or straight. It's all sorts of wonderful shapes. Uh, you pour it all in, and then you can start to build. And uh, this particular job was a big house. And uh, so that is what we end up with. So this is a job I did a few years ago. But the foundations, it all looked good on photos. So that's why I picked that one for this morning. So. Uh, so uh, now we are building, uh, uh, we are all building. And um, the thing that we are building is a temple for the Holy Spirit, as it's put in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So our foundations are really important. We're not just building a house or a warehouse or a shed or uh, anything else. We are building a temple for the Holy Spirit. So it's important that our foundations are right. Um, and when we talk about foundations in faith, uh, what are we talking about? So you might be thinking um, Alpha. Alpha is all those basic building blocks that uh, our faith is built on. It, everyone should do it once, particularly since they redid the videos and that. It is fantastic. They're really just really reaffirming, it's, it's good. Even if you don't want to do the course, you just fancy watching the videos. Everyone should do it once, really good stuff. Uh, we might be thinking about just the Bible, what it says in the Bible, or you might be thinking about the bits in red ink, the words that Jesus said. They might be your foundations. Um, you might be thinking about, uh, again, as, as, as David was saying this morning, what you put in your young people. So what you've been brought up with, they might be your foundations. And it's probably true, a lot of our foundations are what were put in us by our parents. So um, that might be what we're thinking about. 
we might be thinking about the, the culture of a church. So if you've belonged to this church all your life or all your Christian life, a lot of your foundations will be based about how we behave in here. I'd like to suggest that's not a very good foundation, but that might be what you base a lot of your decisions on. Uh, and then the, the thing that we really shouldn't be basing our decisions on is the culture of the day, and I think all too sadly and all too often that we do. So I'm going to just give you a little example. So when I was at school, not quite as long ago as you, David, but it is, it is over 30 years ago now, I was at school, I remember doing, um, uh, was it religious education or was it biology? One or the other. Anyway, you talk about birth control. And they talk through all the different things. And one of the, one of the things is abortion. And uh, uh, never really thought about it. It's just presented. You've got, you got, you got these different options. One of them is abortion. And uh, there were some of the girls particularly, who had the little badges with the two little baby feet on, Absolutely, it must have been RE, absolutely uh, outraged that it was even being discussed as matter-of-factly as that because of how horrendous it is. It's, it's an act of murder, and that's, that's what they're saying. Now, for me, as a 14, 15-year-old who'd never really ever considered birth control, let alone the morality of different aspects of it, uh, it was quite uh, sort of um, to have have a group of girls who were so outraged at it, it was quite a shock to me. Now, so my head, that sort of moral high ground has always been occupied by this, this group of teenage girls um, who were my peers at the time. Cut forward 30 years, and when you watch the news and the press and that, it would seem that the moral high ground, to me, from my viewpoint, is now occupied on the complete opposite side because who are we to uh, impose our, our opinion on the women whose bodies these, these babies are growing in? Now, uh, I'm not going to speak into that. I'm not going to give, give my opinion on that. I'm not going to risk offending anybody. But the popular opinion in 30 years, from my viewpoint, seems to have switched 180 degrees. So to use... Uh, the culture of the day as our benchmark for making decisions, I would suggest, is not a strong foundation. It's as fickle as football. <laughs> so um, I would say that our foundations are the set of values, beliefs, known truths that we make our everyday decisions. So going forward then, what does the Bible say? So Proverbs 22 says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And yet, we've already touched on that this morning. That is uh, probably our base point. Most of how we behave today is based on our upbringing. One way or another, whether we like it or accept it or not, I think most of our foundations were set a long time ago. Uh, Timothy, uh, no, not Timothy, Paul says to Timothy in his letter uh, in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So uh, there, there Paul is saying actually the Bible is, is the benchmark for, for making our decisions. Uh, of course, if you were 
growing up in uh, the, those times, you probably knew your Bible pretty well anyway because the culture, um, it was part of the culture. So you would have been taught it uh, as a child anyway. Uh, Jesus himself says at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, and you can sing it in your minds if you prefer, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them to practice is a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had laid its foundation on the rock. But... Every man who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So more than Paul, Jesus is suggesting that it's his teaching that is the foundation that you should be using. And if you want to be really pernickety, actually the Sermon on the Mount is what he's referring to. That's how he closed his Sermon on the Mount. So... Uh, that's what Jesus says about it. And then finally, and this is my last bit of reading, uh, you were pleased to know. Uh, again, Paul says this in, where does he say it? Sorry. Ephesians. In his letter to the Ephesians, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and the following of its desires and thoughts like the rest. But like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And then I'm going to skip forward to the end of the chapter. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. It says it again there. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So... That's, that's all the Bible reading I'm, I'm going to do. But our foundations are important. They affect every decision that we make. But we are building ourselves as temples of the Holy Spirit. So this is important stuff. We need to get it right. Jesus describes it as being in this world, but not of it. Um, I want to suggest, as well as the Bible, and as well as our upbringing... There's one other way that we can build foundations, and actually it's in each other rather than ourselves. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little testimony uh, from my dad, uh, who has recently, uh, as a lockdown project, written his memoirs, which has been a rather painful experience for me and my sisters for all the wrong reasons. There are no holds barred in this. Oh my goodness, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a colorful read. However, he says in this, uh, in this memoir, um, he, he describes uh, sort of being a young man and having a conversation with his parents, particularly his mum, because his parents brought him up in a church. They went to, I believe, a Methodist church. Uh, his dad was uh, some kind of uh, warden or something. Anyway, he's quite, you know, 
quite an established position in that, in that church community. They were both very involved. Uh, but it was very much uh, a religious experience for my dad growing up in that church. But my dad isn't like that. He is, uh, he's got quite a lot of zeal and uh, he's, he's you know, very much a spirit-filled man, very different to his parents. His dad, my granddad, was concerned that my dad was almost a bit cultish in his behavior. But my grandmother would say not to worry about it. And, uh, but she told my dad that there was an auntie whose name I can't tell you. Uh, he doesn't actually, uh, well, if he does write it down, I've forgotten it. Uh, but it's a name, so there's no surprise there, is there, Sarah, that I've forgotten it. But um, uh, basically, this auntie prayed for my dad every day. Uh, that was her, her testimony. She prayed for my dad every day. Uh, she just really felt that's what God had put on her heart. And my dad would say now that it was this auntie praying for him that actually made him who he is because how he behaved was not like his upbringing at all. The church bit was, but the way he went on beyond that was not, nothing to do with his parents, nothing to do with his church leaders, his youth leaders, none of that. There was something in him that moved him beyond that, and it was prayer. So I want to suggest to you this morning that as well as looking out for your own foundations and getting them right, we can be praying for each other. And I'm going to jump on the back of what David shared and say, if you've got grey hair, and I've got a little bit here, <laughs> that actually this is our responsibility uh, for the younger ones in the church without grey hair, that we should be praying for them because we want them to be finding their wings. We want them to be set on firm foundations. So let's be praying for that next generation. So my first challenge tonight, uh, tonight, this morning, is, uh, hasn't been that long, has it? Uh, um, is who are you praying for? And if you're not, start praying for somebody or a family or something like that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, just going on what I've said can be a little bit risky. So... What we don't want is this. So, the Bible isn't a foolproof thing to have as your foundations. Just want to say it. Uh, it can be very easily manipulated. So, in Romans 14, it says, it's better not to eat meat or drink wine. But in 1 Timothy 5, it says, stop drinking only water and use little wine. Now, I have deliberately just quoted those lines, but you can see there how easy it is to manipulate the Bible to say what you want if you take it out of context. So I want to suggest that we need to be reading our Bibles well, and when we're taught the Bible, you need to be not just taking my word for it, or anybody else who stood here's word for it. You need to do your own homework. So the Bible is taught by fallen people. So I will probably say something wrong this morning. So I apologise, but I'm a fallen man. I'm not perfect. Uh, it was translated by fallen people, and God used fallen people to write it. So I want to suggest that just reading the text and taking that without any other consideration is not a good foundation for us. So you want to be looking at whole chapters and passages and books, not verses in isolation. 
when someone says something from here, or you see it on YouTube or wherever it is you go, read it for yourself afterwards. Look up other places to back it up or contradict it. And uh, for me, a really good measure, and um, I use this a lot, is there is an overarching story. We've gone through this before as a church, the big story, creation through to revelation, and that kind of general story of God trying to call us back into community with us. If you use that as a measure when you're looking at individual passages, you can kind of think, well, hang on a second. If that's what God's saying in the big story, this seems to be a little bit off kilter. So please don't just take things at face value all the time. And just as our popular opinion can be fickle, so can the Bible teachers who are in fashion be fickle. So we have celebrity Bible teachers in, in, in church society. They exist. So when I was a young man, Steve Chalk was everywhere. And uh, he isn't anymore because one opinion he expressed, his peers didn't agree with. So I'm not going to speak into whether he was right or wrong or whether the rest of the people were right or wrong. But all of a sudden, he's in and he's out. Rob Bell, more recently, was everywhere. He did all the NUMA videos. You couldn't get enough of Rob Bell. And then he writes one book and gone. You know, he's, I'm sure he's not gone. I'm sure he's doing something somewhere. But his name's just vanished. And uh, so, yeah, in the same way that popular opinion is fickle, so can be the speakers who are within who we would accept as church people that can be just as fickle so we need to watch the fashions and accept them as fashions and not actually a foundation and also i want to suggest again reflecting what david shared that sometimes what our parents say and teach us might not always be right i remember being horrified when someone suggested to me that just because my mother had said it didn't make it true. And uh, um, that was, again, I must, I can't remember what it was, but I can remember who said it, and I was probably 22 at the time. And just first the sheer offence that someone would say that to me, and then the reality of the penny dropping that actually, yeah, you know, your parents aren't always right. And uh, so, yeah, think, shouldn't just take everything for granted. So uh, anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw this. Uh, I think it was last year this was on the telly. This is the BBC's uh, Mayfair Hotel Mega Build. So uh, if, um, if any of you watched it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But basically, uh, someone owns a hotel in London with far too much money, uh, decided they wanted to make it bigger and better. And, uh, but as, as you know, if you know London at all, there's not a lot of room, uh, not a lot of room for going up, not a lot of room for going down particularly. They went down. Uh, so they went down five floors beneath the hotel and they kept it open the whole time they did it. So this, this is absolutely fascinating if, if you've got nothing better to do. Only three episodes. It, it was just, uh, I mean, for me, it was uh, 
just uh, like a good day at work, just watching it all go on. I thought it was fascinating. To do this, they spent seven years digging 61 shafts by hand, because that's the only way you could do it, down 30 metres deep, uh, in order to fill those shafts with concrete, to prop up the hotel above it, and then build five storeys of hotel below, below ground. So seven years of digging by hand. So underpinning. Underpinning is slow, invasive, painful, expensive work. Uh, typically, on an ordinary job, you would expose about a metre of foundation. You would drill holes in that foundation. You'd stick in steel rods, uh, sort of maybe up to an inch thick, uh, half an inch thick, uh, into that. And then you either underneath or to the side, you pour extra concrete, you close up the ground, and you move on. So it's slow and painful, not quite as slow and painful as, as what these guys did here. Um, but assuming that our foundations aren't right first time, or as David has said, sometimes we just got to change because there's a new generation coming, and we've got to accept that some of the things that we've accepted and as our foundations aren't going to be the same as the next generations, we need to realign ourselves. And it is it's going to be painful. You know, if there's things you hold dear and uh, you've always believed in that and the next generation don't see it that way, it might be painful at times. But we've got to be prepared that we haven't always got it right. We've got to be prepared that sometimes there's things that we have held dear, we've lived our lives by, right the way up to, in my case, for the last 50 years, and actually, God, if God's going to speak to me on a Sunday morning or any other time and challenge me, it might be that a cool value in my life needs to change. And we've got to be prepared for that. And I think the older we get, the harder that is. So, uh, again, I'm probably speaking more to the older people in the room, but we've got to be prepared that sometimes we've got to have a little bit of structural work done uh, underneath to get us on the right track for where we're heading. I also want to say, again, on what we've been, has been passed down, that sometimes wrong things get passed down as well. Now, you haven't got to look too far to see the damage that that can do. So if we look just across the Irish Sea to Northern Ireland, and the foundations that those communities have, based on generations of hatred, now, I'm not suggesting that we've got that in this room, but sometimes there are things that are passed down that are just plain wrong. And uh, we've got to be aware of that. So it's always good to be open to God speaking in situations. And when we say everything, Lord, we've got to mean that. So uh, I think I've been a little bit doomy and gloomy, but foundations are really, really important to get right. Moving on uh, again to sort of specialist foundations. So uh, this is an electrical substation for a warehouse, believe it or not. Uh, took, uh, took two men uh, about two days to weave all that steel together. 
but that is uh, for an electrical substation. It's got little bits that stick out so it can be earthed, just so you know. Uh, but this is a specialist uh, foundation. Some of you will need training. And again, probably now speaking to, uh, to you younger adults around the room uh, here, that God will have a call on your life. Now, um, uh, the obvious things that spring to mind would be uh, a parenting course or a marriage course. So I've done both in my time. I don't think I've ever been a, a bad husband or a, or a bad dad particularly, but I want to be a better husband and a better dad. So these courses are, are good things to do. So sometimes when you know you're entering into something, it's good to get your foundations right in that, in that world you're going into. If you've got a call on your life to go into uh, abroad a, a as a missionary or something like that, you'll probably want to get some training to do that. You're not going to just, just go. So uh, I think you've got to be aware that sometimes there are definite requirements to get specialist training. Uh, and just to keep you happy, that's what it looked like when we'd finished it. It, it was beautiful. It was, um, yeah. That, that water was a pain in the neck. We had a pump, we had a pump running 24-7 for about a month to try and keep the water down. But uh, anyway, that's enough of that. So I'm going to wrap up and just say that our foundations, like wet concrete, should be oozing into every corner of our lives, every decision that we make, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's playing or family or friends or community or mission. Our foundations, the things we make our decisions on, they should just be everywhere. So, and... Yeah, if you ever work with wet concrete, it gets everywhere. So um, that is, that's how it should be. Uh, there should be nothing I do that isn't based on my foundational beliefs. And the reality is, there probably isn't. There probably isn't. Our, our decisions are all based on our foundations. So our foundations do need to be right. I'm going to close with this slide. Um, if you don't know what this is, this is uh, the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Sagrada Familia. Uh, if, is, is that right? Is that, yeah, okay. Um, this is uh, the, the Roman Catholic Cathedral in Barcelona. Um, ground was broken in 1882. Uh, the architect died in 1926. Uh, they were hoping to complete it on the centenary of his death in 2026. They're going to be late, uh, but only by a few years, they hope. Uh, this is uh, it's on my wish list of places to go and see, and I'm not really uh, the kind of person who'd go and look around a cathedral, but I would like to go and see this one. Uh, so, yeah, it would have been sort of nearly 150 years uh, in building this place. Uh, and, yeah, when you look at the pictures, it is, it is absolutely incredible to look at the detail. We are building a temple for the Holy Spirit. We should have something that stands out from all that's around us. It should be magnificent. That temple needs to be built on solid foundations. And then if our foundations are sound, then whatever we're doing, whoever we're with, and wherever we are, it should be apparent on who we're living for. Lord, I want to thank you that 
as it said in that, uh, that letter to Ephesians, you are part of that building. You are the cornerstone. Lord, I want to thank you that uh, you knew you were building with fallen people. You knew that from the outset. So you knew that and you've got grace for that. You've got, uh, you've got flexibility for that and contingency for that, Lord. We want to thank you. You choose to build with us anyway, Lord. But Lord, we want to get it right. Lord, we want to build... Uh, no, no, we want you to build what you want to build in us, Lord. We want you to uh, build your kingdom and we want it to, to evolve and change. We want, we want this church to be the church of the next decade and the decade after that. So, Lord, as an older generation, we want to give you this church with open hands and ask that you take it on, Lord. Lord, for our, for our younger adults, Lord, we want to ask that you would give them uh, the vision and the, and the strength and the capacity to, to take hold of this, this community, Lord. For our children and our, our youth, Lord, we want to ask that you would raise their gaze. Lord, keep, keep their eyes on you as they grow. That, Lord, when they, when they take their place as adults in this community, Lord, they know where they're headed, Lord. But, Lord, keep us firm. Lord, in this society we live today where truth is so fluid, Lord, we want to ask that you would keep us certain in who you are. When these questions get raised about who we are and who we identify as, may our identity be a child of you, Father God. 